0: I just like, I don't know if you guys love the sunshine. I love it to a degree, and I think we're over that degree, just by a little bit. Um, but I uh, hope we have enjoyed the sunshine, um, because you know the minute for a week it starts raining, we're all going to say, I just wish the sun would come out again. And so it's, I've kind of laughed with people. It's like, if 60s, everyone's freezing, I just wish there was more sun. But 80s, it's like, man, I just wish it would cool down. I mean, so it's like, we want it in that 70 degree range. But we're about 20 degrees over that, so I hope you guys are enjoying it. But Today, we're talking about um, hypocrites, and it's like one of those subjects that like everyone has an opinion about, and I think everyone has an opinion about it because pretty much we're all hypocrites, <laughs> and so it's like, you know, we, we say stuff, we don't always do what we say, and if we get called on it, you know, we get really offended, and so it's like that's the story of all of history, is like people... Saying one thing and doing another. And so it's like, oh, I was just reading and I was like, you know, what, what kind of examples do I want to use and talk about um, today? And it's just like, it can be really personal because, you know, that's like one of the big gripes against the church is that it's just full of hypocrites. And so we're going to read a passage of scripture. We're continuing on in our series of Luke. And so today I just encourage you, just remember what Bruce talked about last week. He talked about loving your enemies about giving when you don't even feel like it. And so it's like, that's the same, we're in the same like part of Jesus is talking. It's not like he stopped and then just started talking. This is like the same conversation that Jesus is having. And so pick it up with me. We're reading um, Luke six thirty seven through 42. And so let's just read it together. Jesus says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be Condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told in this parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so, in order to get ready for this talk today, I decided to Google something because Google has the answers for everything. And so I just, I, I just Googled hypocrite. And so then right underneath it said, did you mean Christian? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then so then I searched Christian, and then it said, did you mean hypocrite? That, I didn't, that didn't really happen. But like today's culture, I think they think like that's exactly what would happen. I mean, of course, if you search Christian hypocrite, there's tons of things that will come up. And don't do it because you'll just be depressed about the church. But it's like people think that. Like they think like, oh, you're telling me you're a Christian? You might as well tell me you're a hypocrite. And so people think that. People think that, that being a Christian today is being a hypocrite. And so it's like, I don't mean to like make it a joke or just like make light of the situation. But it's like, that's what people think, and that's what people's opinions are. And so let's just be honest with people. Like everyone has been hypocritical in their own life one time or another. And we'll talk about the one guy, Jesus, who could say he's actually not a hypocrite. But if you look at any group of people in society, whether it's politicians, celebrities, athletes, even your friends, even your own family, all could be accused of being a hypocrite at one time or another. And so today, as we walk through this passage and look at how Jesus looked at hypocrisy, hopefully we can reconcile part of this issue. And part of the issue of hypocrisy will never go away because the church is made of people, and people are just unperfect. But that's why we have Jesus. That's why we look to Jesus, is because he's the one that reconciles our hypocrisy and makes us who we say we are. And so if we believe in Jesus, that's a lot of where the reconciliation comes from, and so I understand for people outside of the church why that bugs them sometimes. Now, when when preachers get up and preach one thing and then get caught doing that same thing they're preaching against, then it's understandable. Yes, that is a hypocrite, but it's not everyone is like that, and if we truly believe Jesus is the, the foundation of our faith, then that's how we find reconciliation in those moments. And so the first, uh, it's kind of a good like segue to the first point, is the first point is if you've been forgiven, then forgive. The setting of this story, like I just, Bruce talked about it last week, it's love your enemies, turn your cheek, give your cloak. It's like th- that's what Jesus just got done saying, and then he says this, he says, don't not judge, do not condemn, and forgive people. He continues on what he's been preaching on this whole time. He's saying there's all these things. And so what we tend to do sometimes is we try and, like, look at the messages of Jesus. And we say, well, I can do this, 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 and this. But then when it gets to other things that are hard, we we like to, like, pick and choose what things we follow. And so today, maybe you think, well, forgiveness is easy for me. I can forgive someone who's wronged me. But, you know, last week he talked about turning on their cheek. Well, I'm not good when someone actually confronts me. And, and I have to like turn the other cheek, or I have to love my enemy. Maybe you can wrong me, maybe I can forgive you, but if you keep doing that and you become my enemy, then I, there's really gonna be a limit to my love. But those are the things that Jesus talks about, and those are the things that we have to understand for our own lives. And so it seems simple enough. Jesus' command says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. It seems simple. But if we don't realize the role that Jesus plays in all of this, then we truly miss the magnitude of what Jesus is asking us to do. You see, Jesus forgives me, He forgives me personally. It all started with Jesus. He's practicing, the minute He says these words, He's practicing what He's preaching. Jesus forgives, and it's not so that He can be forgiven, because He doesn't need to be forgiven. It's because he's perfect. He's the one and only true, like, anti-hypocrite. He's the only one who could say, I am not a hypocrite because I'm perfect. And he never comes out and says it because that's, like, this thing. He wants you to realize things for yourself. Just like Bruce said, he wants people to have ears to hear. And so, like, we need to have ears to hear and understand that Jesus, if we're talking about hypocrisy, Jesus is the one true non-hypocrite person. What he said, he did. And when he says, forgive so you'll be forgiven, he already forgave us. And so if we've been forgiven, we must forgive. And so you can badmouth every Christian that has ever lived. We are worthy of that judgment. We are worthy of that condemnation because we're human, we're people, we sin, we mess up. But you can't call Jesus a hypocrite because he forgives you. He did what he said he'd do. 1 John 1 8 through 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. But think about what it says He is faithful and just, and will forgive us. He's faithful to what he said. He said, You know what? I'm coming to live this life. I'm going to die and I'm going to raise again. He did what he said he was going to do. He forgave us. He's faithful and just to forgive you if we confess to him. And so, if you've been forgiven, then forgive. Don't judge. Don't condemn others. And we're all subject to that, that judgment and that condemnation because of our sin. But Jesus is the one who pays the debt, He pays the price. The fee, so you will, of our sins. So instead of judgment or condemnation from Jesus, we're shown mercy. We're shown that our debts have been paid. The price for the cost of our sin has been paid by Jesus. Because he lived his life, sacrificed it, and rose again. And so I don't mean to steal the thunder for a future week in Luke 7. But Jesus, this quick little story, I'm going to read three verses from a story in Luke 7. But it totally explains how Jesus sees forgiveness. Luke 7, 41 through 43 says, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And so to understand kind of what those money amounts were, a f- uh, 500 denarii would be like a year and a half's wages. But then you have the f- uh, 50 denarii, and that would be like two months wages. And so the verse goes on and said, neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And so the Simon is speaking. He says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. So Jesus is saying that. And then in the context of the story, he's talking about someone who was accused of having so much sin, but yet came to Jesus, offered him, a, just, just bowed down and like cleansed him. And so he's saying, who loves me more. The one who has been forgiven of many sins or the one who has been forgiven for not very many. This is, Peter says, probably the one who's been forgiven of many sins. And so sometimes we like to go and we like to judge ourselves about uh, our own lives and how we compare to other people. And this is where hypocrisy really comes in, because we can say, you know what, I don't have very much sin, and I definitely don't sin as much as this person. That's like hypocrisy right there. And so it's like Jesus is saying, well, who has been forgiven more? Who would love me more? And so if we're going to think of it as in, well, this person has so much sin, how could they be forgiven? Jesus still forgives those people who've done, if you have a long list, if one person did one sin and one person did a hundred sins, they're the same person in Jesus' eyes. But who's going to feel like his debt has been paid more, the one who owed him a hundred or the one who owed him one? And so that's what we need to understand is that all of us, Because of our sin, we're all owing the 100. We're all owing more. We've all been forgiven of much. And so that brings in the measure of how much we need to not judge people or how much we need to forgive. If we've been forgiven of much, then we need to forgive others of much. We need to be quick to forgive. And so those who've been forgiven of much will love much. When we receive forgiveness, we can't act like we were the cause of that forgiveness. We have to understand that that Jesus is the cause of our forgiveness. And when we judge others, we we condemn people who we have no purpose condemning. That's not our judge. It's not our job to judge people or condemn people. And we spit in the face of that forgiveness when we when we don't give it to other people. When we take forgiveness from Jesus but don't forgive others then have we really accepted that forgiveness? And so, as people who are part of the church, followers of Jesus, what is our role when we see someone who has sinned? What about people outside the church? Well, Paul writes a letter in 1 Corinthians, and he's addressing sins inside of the church. And so he, he says, you know what, there's some sexual immorality going on in this church, and you guys need to, like, fix it. But he does clarify. He says, one thing. He says in First Corinthians 5.12, he said, what business of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? And so Paul is saying, you know what? I've told you once that, you know, you need to fix this inside of your church, but you guys thought it meant that you need to judge every single person, even people who don't even know who Jesus is, don't even know about living a, a life that's, that's changed, that's transformed, and you're judging them based on rules that don't even apply to them. And he's saying, you know what, that's not what I meant. That's not what's happening. He says, like, it's not our role to judge people outside of the church, but we need to rule, judge what's inside of it. And so clearly there's correction for those who are sinning, but that correction, one, does not apply to those who have not yet chosen to follow Jesus, and two, is not done in a manner that puffs ourselves up inside of the church. We don't judge or condemn because, honestly, that's Jesus' role. Jesus says, I am the judge. I'm the final answer. And at the end of time, at the end of history, when people meet Jesus, he's going to be the one to judge people. I don't want to be the one that judges whether people get to go, you know, go to go to heaven or hell. That's not my job. That's way above my pay grade. But some people like to do that. Some people like to look at the way other people are living and say, well, you know what? Uh, you're just way off on this one. And they might not even be followers of Jesus. And you're like, how would they even know? They haven't even chosen to let that, like the work of Jesus change their heart to even know that they should think that way. And that's what we forget sometimes, is that like following Jesus is a process. It's not just like this, this one thing, and then once you've chosen to follow Jesus, that everything is good. Like now you are just a pure Christian that's gonna live their life the right way for the rest of your life. The internal, spiritual thing changes in an instant, but the outward expression of that often takes a long time. And it takes forgiveness. It takes work. It takes mercy. And it takes just walking through life with people and dealing with the stuff that's in their life. Not to condemn them or judge them for it, but to say, hey, you don't have to do that stuff. You can be shown mercy and you can change and you can be that transformation of Jesus can change you inside of you. And so Jesus said, give, right after this. And he says, give and it will be given to you. And if you just think about, like, all of that forgiveness you've been given, when Jesus says to give that forgiveness also, and then he goes on to say, give and it will be given to you. So I want you to think with bigger minds and bigger thoughts of, like, what that actually giving means. But Jesus said, he says, give and it will be given to you. Instead of degrading people, build people up. When people need a hand, don't give them a fist. Help pick them up from what they're going through. And so when you give, Jesus says you'll receive back with the same measure in which you gave. The illustration that Jesus paints is describing what is given back and shows that Jesus is not stingy with his love for us, with his compassion for us, with his blessing for us. He says, a good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, will be poured out into your lap. And so what does that even mean? And so imagine if you're going to the market in that time, you would need a container to like buy your grain or buy your flour or whatever you use. But you, you take it there. And imagine like you just paid per the scoop. So like say I just took a cup scoop to the market and said, I need to buy this because I'm making cupcakes at home. And so you're like, I'm going to pay for one cup of flour. And so if I was the guy selling the flour, I'd want to just take that scoop, scoop it out really quick, and just like put it like into that container. Like just really fast. Because maybe I don't actually give the person a cup. I just scoop it really fast, just drop it in there. But what Jesus is saying, it's a good measure. It's not just a fair measure. It's not just like, it's not a bad measure. It's a good measure. Like you're getting a good value for what you're giving. And so then he says you press it down. So you press it down, you say there's not going to be any empty space inside of this measuring scoop that you have. It's going to be shaken. We're going to make sure we sift it, that all of the empty space goes away, and that even we will add a little bit on the top. It's going to be running over. I'm just going to give you this huge big scoop. Let's just say sugar, because I like sugar. So a big scoop of sugar And you're just going to put it into your container. And you're going to have to put it in your lap because you have so much extra. And so that's what Jesus is saying when we give. It's like, you're going to get back what you give. But it's going to be bigger than what you gave. And so what we need to understand is it's not always like money for money. When we give, it's not always like, if I give, you know, $300 this week then Jesus is going to give back to me $300 the next week. That's not how it works. But we can rest assured that the difference, sometimes that does happen. Like there are people that, like, you know, they gave at the beginning of the month, and then they gave their first fruits, they gave the first top of their paycheck, and then at the end, you know, something really bad happened, and they needed just like a medical bill paid, or they needed food for groceries. And so then at the end of the month, out of nowhere, someone paid for that. Now, you can say, well, that's just coincidence, or you can say, because I've been faithful with my giving, God has been faithful back to me. It's just your, your worldview, how you look at it. I always choose to give God the credit for what I get, because just like Bruce said, it's all his anyway. But what Jesus is saying, when you give, you're going to get more than what you gave. And so what it, goes, what it comes down to is, like, I think of it as just Christ's love, as Jesus' love for us. And so, point two is don't be stingy with the love of Jesus. And so many times, I think we think, like, I have to be, I have to do this a certain way, and I have to just get my checklist. I need to, you know, I'm going to give to the church. I'm going to give my time, at, you know, at whatever, in the community. I'm going to do this. And then at the end of the week, hopefully, I feel good about myself. But Jesus is saying, change your mindset. Don't be so stingy with the love that I've given to you when you give it to others. Today's talk really revolves about being forgiving and letting that being forgiven and letting that love change the way we live. The problem is if we stop that transformation or if we don't let it reach every part of who we are, then we cut short of what Jesus can do and what he wants to do in our lives. We have freely received the love, the forgiveness of Jesus, and now it's time for us to freely give. Not just forgiveness, but to give our lives. And whether that's our time, whether that's our money, whatever it is, he's saying, like, let's transform our minds a little bit, and let's see life for what it is, and not just segment everything. It's not just everything so segmented. And so now, of course, it's easy to just give money. And as hard as it is for some people to give money— you've earned it, but the process is still like, I'm just writing a check. But like, what about giving your time to people? What about giving time in the community? What about giving time here at Open Life? Whatever it is. What about giving your prayers, taking time to pray? It's not just about a portion of your income. It's not just about giving your time. Jesus' love permeates every single part of who we are, and when we let that transformation happen, he changes us. Generosity and giving is saying, Jesus, here's my life. Every part of it. Now make my measure larger. He's saying, I, like, when I give, I want to go to Jesus and say, you know what? I might, use, I might have used just a one little cup, but I want to use like a gallon measure if I'm talking about giving grace, giving mercy, giving my finances. I want to begin to give bigger. And not just with money, but with my whole life because that's when you get to see the return. It's when we choose to give more then we receive more. And it's not a prosperity thing. It's not saying, well, if you give, then you're going to get, and that's the reason you should get. No, you should give to give generously, but God is there to back us up and to generously give back to us. And the truth is, He's already given generously by forgiving us. Generosity is the prayer that Bruce shared last week when he said, God, use my paycheck it's yours anyway. But it's also, God, use me. Let me not be stingy with the love that you've given me in my life. And so Jesus goes on, and he kind of changes the subject. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above its teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And so my question for you today is, who are you following? If you were to say, like, who do you follow? Who, what are things that you follow in your life? And, like, if you have a Twitter account, you know, I follow different people. I follow lots of sports writers so I can know about soccer, so I can know about the World Cup going on. I follow different pastors so I can just see what they're talking about. What encouragement can I gain from that? And so, like, Twitter kind of brings, like, a, a real, like, idea of this follow and the messages we receive kind of like change our thinking, because like I follow different people than Thad, or I follow different people than James, so it's interesting to see who they follow, and how it like shows who their what your personality is. But the same can be true when we talk about Jesus. If is he truly our teacher, is he truly the one who we say we follow Jesus, like I am a follower of Jesus, because that shows people who you are. It shows people your personality. It shows people: Are you forgiving person? Are you gonna judge me? Are you a Christian or are you a follower of Jesus? And I think today that's what people are really dying to know. Now I tell people I'm a Christian because I like to redeem the word. I like to think. I don't like to judge people. I don't like to, you know, throw people down before I, they even get to know Jesus. But some people think if you tell them you're a Christian, then you're a hypocrite. And some people need to know, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. This is what I know about Jesus. He's here to forgive you. You haven't done anything that he can't forgive you for. And so it sometimes seems, does it seem like sometimes you don't have direction in your life? Because what Jesus is saying is like, who are you following? Are you being led into a pit? Or have you chosen to follow Jesus? Have you chosen to follow your teacher and to become like him? And because point three is take steps to become more and more like Jesus. Because Jesus says, "You're never going to become greater than I am, but you can become like me." And that's a promise that we have to hold on to, is because that's what people that's the reason you can tell people that you're a follower of Jesus instead of being a Christian. It's because they know Jesus. They at least know that Jesus is a pretty good guy. That they at least know that, like, he did some really cool stuff. That he never really, like, harmed anyone. That he never really, like, you know, gotten mad at anyone. But he came and lived for a purpose. People understand that about Jesus. And so if we're following him, Jesus is saying, you can be like me. And that gives me great hope. That gives me great just passion knowing that if I follow Jesus, if I trust in Him, and I choose to become more like Him every single part of my day, that I can truly be like Him. Because Jesus did awesome things, and then I can have that promise for me in my own life as well. But just think about the setting. He's talking to disciples. He's talking about people wanting to just know who He is in this situation. He's talking to the Pharisees, and Jesus is saying, I am the way the truth, and the life. That's John fourteen six that verse. But he's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. And so, if you're following anything other than Jesus, then you're being led into a pit. Oh, you're being blind leading the blind. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's other people following you. And so if you're being led, a blind leading the blind into a pit, someone else is following you straight into that pit as well. And the great thing about following Jesus is, yes, we get to be like him, but there's people who are following us as well, who want to know why, what's different about your life. And so then instead of the, the blind, we can see, we see Jesus, we're following Jesus, and people, whether they know it or not, can be following us. And maybe they're blind, but they're still following you. You can at least lead blind people so that eventually their lives can be open and their minds can be open to knowing who Jesus is. And so then Jesus goes on, and this is where we're kind of going to land. Is he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to a brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It's really easy to see the negative things of my own life in other people. Can you believe that person ate that much at that party? I mean, they were just eating that the chips and dip like crazy. I'm that guy. <laughs> so, for me to judge someone about eating too much at a party, that's hypocritical. Or, what about this? I'm really shocked that that person, he swore right there. He said, he said a bad word. Where, in my worst moments, something falls on my toe. I mean, something bad's gonna come out sometimes. <laughs> But there's stuff like that. What about this one? I just don't think that person's relationship with Jesus is where it really needs to be right now. And so that's where we really get into the, the nitty-gritty, is we begin to judge people for things that we're probably dealing with in our own sense, and we look at the fault of our own, and we begin to see it in other people. And that's where hypocrisy really comes out. It's like, I can see stuff wrong with you, but I can't see that same wrong stuff in my own life. And so the response of that really tells how your relationship or if this is happening in a healthy manner. And so in regards to that, if you see faults, your own faults in other people, and you have one of these three responses, if you say, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one, and you just continue on doing what you're doing, then you're in denial of something that you need to work out with Jesus. The next one is if you say, look at them, I can't believe that they live life like that. You're basically putting yourself above them just because you do the same thing. So that's hypocrisy. And where I'd hope we all land today is to say, you know what? I deal with that too. Maybe I should get that figured out in my own life. And I'd hope we all land there because that's where there's a realization that there's just stuff you're dealing with. And so if you notice, hey, well, it looks like that person's not making the best choices. And then it's an area that you struggle with as well. Don't just say, well, I'm I'm glad they deal with it too. And then just keep doing it. And don't say, well, I mean, I'm better than that. I would never do that. But land at a spot that says, you know what, they're dealing with that. I deal with that too, you know, I'm going to get my stuff figured out first. I'm going to change my heart because of what I've seen in someone else. Sometimes we don't see that stuff. I like, I don't, I don't have kids yet, but I love it when um, parents start acting like their parents. You know, like, as a kid, you judge your parents because they are mean to you or something, and then when you're a parent, you do the exact same thing. That, like, makes me happy, but I don't have kids yet, so I still have a couple years of that, I think. But the fourth point today is cut down the areas of hypocrisy in your life. Jesus said we need to take the planks out of our own eyes so that we can see clearly his speck in the eye of our brother. Other translations call the plank, they they call it a log. And so when I think of a log, I think of driving on the highway and seeing a trailer uh, just coming from a clear cut that has all of these long logs on it. And I just imagine having one of those things in my eye. like, that's a huge mental picture of, like, having a log in your eye and then a piece of sawdust in someone else's eye. But Jesus is saying that's, like, he used parables to show the idiotic, is that a word? Being an idiot is what I was trying to say, of judging other people for what they do in their life that you still deal with. And so what are the logs in your life that you need to deal with? And so I think a lot of times it comes up with, like, issues of daily life. So one might be parenting. I know a lot of parents who judge other parents for the way they parent, and then I'm like, well, you're not the best parent either. I mean, like, if I told people some of the stuff you've done, I mean, but it's like happens all the time. Something that applies to me is marriage. I mean, I could totally judge people. I can't believe he treats his wife like that, because I'm the perfect husband. (laughs) Danny's in the back, so she maybe she didn't hear that. But um, but like stuff like that happens. You think that they're treating their wife wrong, but you haven't paid any attention to your wife in the last week. You know? It's like, that's hypocrisy. What about money? That money's a big one. I can't believe they're spending their money on that. They can't even afford a house. They can't even afford what they do with their money. That's... Honestly, that's their personal business. And yes, you can help people make good financial decisions, but don't go with it like you're trying to just change them. Because I bet if we looked at your credit card use over the last month, we could nitpick things that you've been doing wrong too in the last month. Or what about time management? I just think there's different issues that all of us deal with. And it's not saying that like, well, okay, well now I can just do whatever I want because I know no one's judging me. And I don't mean to say that. What I mean to say is if you feel convicted because of someone, the way someone else is living, because you see it in yourself and you deal with those same things, then deal with yourself first, and then out of love, you can help change that person. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this whole passage, is the love and the forgiveness that he gives, and how we can show that to other people. So I want to tell you a quick story. It comes from Matthew 18, and I didn't put it up because it's kind of a long verse. But it's kind of like the story we talked about about the, the debt collector. But this time it's about a king. And so the king was owed this like large sum of money. Let's call it like a billion dollars. Because it's, let's just say that I'm the king and this guy right here in the front row, no one's there, it's imaginary. Um, but this guy owes me one billion dollars. And I go to him and say, you know what? It's time that you pay up because I lent that to you. You owe it to me. Now hand it over. And you know, he begs and he just gets on his knees and says, you know what? I can't pay that. Will you forgive me? Well, as a gracious king, I say, you know what? I trust you. I believe you. The debt is forgiven. You would think that that guy would be very happy. You think that that guy would be very like uh, fortunate. He'd feel like, you know what? I have a new lease on life. I can go. Like live my life now with my family. But you know what? The story goes, and Jesus talks about this in, in Matthew 18. He says, you know what? That guy, what he did, he goes to the person that owes him a measly, let's just call it thousand dollars. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to let you free until you pay me that my one thousand dollars back. And so it's like, where's, where do we fit in that story? The story goes on and says that the king found out what the, the servant had done and he put him back in prison until he could pay back. And if you're thinking about a billion dollars, he's in prison for life. Basically, he's sentenced to death because of he could not show forgiveness to someone else. And so where do you fit in that story? Are you the servant that was freed from a lifetime of debt and then goes... And tries to get your payment for something that someone did wrong to you? Or do you want to be someone who's been freed of very much of sin, of a lot of sin, a lot of debt, whatever it is, but that says, you know what, now I'm free to forgive? Because Jesus is pretty clear. He's clear in this this scripture we read today is that if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned give and it will be given to you. And if we don't let those words kind of mold and shape our hearts and change our expression of how we're going, then we really can go through life missing the mark on what we're we're trying to do. And that's just love people. If you can't love people, if you can't forgive people, then I question if you really understand the forgiveness that you've received. And when you start to think in those terms and you think of the real-life instances that, ha- that that happens, it's like it kind of changes your mentality a little bit. And so if the worship team wants to come up, we're going to go into a time of worship, but I just have a few action steps for you. And the first one is to increase your measure. And I'm talking about in the measure of generosity or in, in, in giving. But somehow... Look at what you've been given and just think like, you know what? This is what I give. My time, my life, my finances. Like, if you could put a number on it or a sum or you could like have a mental picture. This is what I give now. How can you increase that amount? Increase your measure. Because Jesus says, "What the measure that you give is the measure that you'll receive. How can you increase that? And... The next one is take time to self-examine. I think a really strong key about avoiding hypocrisy and being a hypocrite in your own life is to be really good at self-examining the way that you live your life. Because it shows you that you're serious about changing your mindset. It shows you that you're, you're serious about looking about what, what do you spend your time? How, how are you at a father? How are you at being a husband? How are you at being a wife? And it helps you self-examine so that you're not, you know, hanging out with friends or you're not at work and you're judging other people because you see things that you struggle with and you're judging them for it. Self-examination helps us understand what we're dealing with and going to Jesus to help us with it. And so then the third thing is investigate areas where forgiveness can take place in your life. And so the first way that can happen is personally. What do you need forgiveness for? We follow a Jesus, a God who sent his son, sent his son Jesus, who is faithful and just to forgive us. And so if you come today feeling burdened by things that you've done, confess that to him. Say, you know what, God, I messed up, and I would like your forgiveness. And the Bible, clearly, we read it, it clearly says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and so then the, the second part of that is kind of, who do you need to forgive? And maybe these, this is like a really personal issue. Maybe you've been wronged before, and you just need to forgive someone. And say, you know what? It's forgiven. And it's not to say that like, whatever happened to you was right. It's not to say like, making an excuse for them. But it, you're basically saying, I'm not going to let my life no longer be dictated by the wrong that was done to me. I forgive it. It's done. And so who is that to you? For some people, that might be someone who has passed away, who is dead, but you still hold on to that, that like shame or that, that guilt. Maybe you feel guilty for no reason, but you need to forgive someone who has wronged you. And if it's someone who's living, I'd encourage you, mend that fence. Or maybe not Maybe, you, maybe it's a fence that's really unmendable because of the situation. But if you're brave enough, if you're strong enough, I believe God can reveal someone to you and say, you know what, you need to forgive that person and maybe you need to tell them about it. Maybe that person needs to know that you've forgiven them so that they can find forgiveness. And so whatever that situation is, I know that can be like really hard and really personal, but whatever it is, seek forgiveness. Be a peacemaker. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about love your enemies. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. So let's pray. Let's worship. Let's ask God to reveal stuff in our hearts and change our thoughts and our minds. And let's just be grateful for the forgiveness that we have, because it's great. And so, God, we love you. We just thank you for your forgiveness, for your mercy, for your love, and that we can walk in that and walk in that truth. And that maybe we're not perfect right now. Maybe we're not just changed on the outward automatically, but we can be on the step walking towards you to be closer to your will, to be closer to you, to be more like you, God. I pray that that people would become more like you today because they choose to give up things they've held on to. They've chosen to forgive people, God. And I also just pray for blessing on people. I pray that people would just increase the measure that they give, but that they'd be blessed for that not just financially god i pray that people would be encouraged that people would find love that people would find joy because of the things that they've chosen to give their time their lives and their money to god and i just pray just for a blessing on these people i pray for just an uh, anointing on their life for them to see the things in their life where they might have hypocrisy or be a hypocrite god i pray that you would show them that and that they would deal with it with humble hearts so God move through us, change our hearts, change our minds, and be with us as we worship you, in your name. Amen.